Hey everyone, welcome to the Real Life Podcast. Today we have Lynn Cooper here with us and we are so excited. We're going to talk about an issue that I think a lot of people um, really need to hear today and it is the topic of parenting. And so post-pandemic, I think there's been a lot of things we've seen in regards to parenting, both good and bad. And so today, Lynn, um, let's just start off as, you know, you are a pastor, you're a mom, you are a, a PTA person and very involved in your school district. So today, let's just start off with, tell us some positive things you see in parenting today. Yeah, I think the pandemic really brought about some good things in regards to community. I think people are looking for relationship and community and seem to want that engagement with their children. So instead of compartmentalizing school, which is for my child, which is where I drop them off Mm -hmm. and someone else educates them, we're seeing an engagement in the community of involvement. And that likely came about because we weren't able to be in the schools for right. a certain amount of time if you were um, involved in public school during the pandemic. So I think there's been great engagement as far as the PTA goes or boosters, whatever your school is. It seems as though finding volunteers is much easier mm. because you couldn't at one point. Right. Right. Yeah. And so we've found a lot of really great things in that aspect. And I think parents being involved and seeing what their children are like at school can be eye opening. (laughs) Very much so. (laughs) How do my children behave when I'm not there? Um, How do my children interact with others? Mm -hmm. And how does their personality um, engage other students and teachers? And so there's so much that you can learn just from being involved, having relationship with, with your teachers and building the relationship so they can talk to you about what's really going on with your child. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, educationally is important, but also emotionally and um, socially how how our kids are acting. So I think in that respect, we've seen a lot of really great things that will adversely, right? Like um, we weren't able to engage. Right. Now I can... Now I'm seeing some things and participating with my kids. So that's a really positive thing if we engage it properly. Right. Right. So I think a positive of of the pandemic was just the intentionality of being together as family. Like we couldn't do anything else. We we were at home. We were together. There was no sports schedules. There was, you know, we weren't running here and there. Do you do you see that as a positive thing that came from the pandemic? Yes, I I do when it impacts today, mm-hmm. right? Like the there was no uh, arranging of priority, right? At that yeah. point, now there is, right? So how will we arrange the priority of spending time together? The priority of engaging in my children's lives? How will I prioritize parenting? Mm. And so those are the opportunities we have to prioritize um when we didn't have the choice to prioritize yeah we spent a lot of time together we learned a lot about each other we were at home together a little bit more than normal and we probably saw a lot of things we saw some behaviors Mm -hmm. we also have to recognize that there was a real emotional impact that took place 
through a pandemic. No one at this point has lived through what we just lived through in that respect of being at home together, no work, no school. Mm -hmm. The closest thing probably would be um, the tuberculosis pandemic Mm -hmm. that happened in in the 50s where people were sent to asylums. Right. Is that the right word? Or... Um, sanitariums. Yeah, yeah they were quarantined they were, yeah. way away from everyone. And so those had effects too, right? Kids were shipped to other family members or, or whatever, but it's probably the closest emotionally um, to what we've experienced. But as parents, we've not experienced that. Right. So we don't really know. And I yeah. think there's a lot of research taking place on what's happening. But I think ultimately parents came to this place of um, how do I parent? Mm. How do I parent knowing that I don't um, understand what's happening? But I would say in our experiences and in our conversations of those that have reached out for help, that's not the primary player in, in how parents are parenting. I think we've seen a majority of parents parent from their childhood in a place where they either had a bad experience, therefore they won't parent that way. Right. They want to go the extreme opposite. Yes. Or um, parenting from their childhood because that's all that they know. Mm. And so there's a real advantage here of healing from those childhood places Mm -hmm. rather than... um, not dealing with them, ignoring them. And then ultimately you end up in the same cycle, producing very similar things. Mm -hmm. Even if your goal was, I'm going to do the opposite, Mm -hmm. you generally end up creating a very similar wound just in a different way. Yeah. And so we see a lot of parents that either haven't healed, don't know how to heal, and process those wounds, whether you had an over strict parent or, or it sometimes it just comes down to a simple that punishment or that consequence didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And so I refuse to do that. Right. And, and so ultimately, we've, we've ended up with um, undisciplined children, right. And, and it's not about what I would say about it. It's not about what you would say about it. What does the Bible say about mm-hmm. parenting? What does the Bible say about um, training our children? Mm-hmm. And whether you use the word training or discipline, I think they're very similar. Right. 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 If you train a child, you're teaching them to be a disciplined person. And that is really the goal. Right. That's the place that um, the Bible talks about over and over about, you know, train up your child in the ways mm-hmm. of the Lord. They will not depart. That doesn't mean they'll be perfect. Uh, it doesn't mean that they'll do everything you want them to do. <laughs> it means that they won't depart from from the seeds of God's Word right. that you've planted in their heart. So training is really important. Mm-hmm. It is the cornerstone of, of parenting, right? When you decide to potty train, when you decide to um, remove training wheels, those are all educated. Right. You decide. You do the research. But parenting as far as your parenting plan your your discipline plan your goals those should be biblically based as as believers absolutely what if you had to sum those up for people who may not know those who for people who might not be 
very knowledgeable on what scripture says. What are some of those biblical bases that you that you see in parenting? Um, <laughs> so I think one of the main places of of controversy on what people um, will disengage what God's word says comes from Proverbs where it says, um, do not hold back discipline from your child. Although you strike them with a rod, he will not die. Um, there's scripture that talk about uh, what we would refer to maybe as spanking. Um, and so therefore parents might disengage from discipline at all. Mm-hmm. I would suggest that the form of punishment, the form of consequence that you use is irrelevant as long as you're consistent. In yeah. It. Um, whether it be a spanking, whether it be a timeout, whether it be, to me, the consistency mm-hmm. is what forms the, the, the discipline rather than mm-hmm. what form, right? So in our experience, we have three children and they are all very different. Mm-hmm. We had to discipline them each differently. Yeah. And so I wouldn't suggest one form of <laughs> discipline right. yeah. to any one parent. So I think you have to know your children. You have to know what works for them. And then you have to recognize the goal of what God's word says, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's this idea that that we read in scripture that an undisciplined life is is so harmful to to adults so harmful Mm -hmm. to children we don't want to produce that we want to produce men and women of god right the the actual command from genesis that says be fruitful and multiply it's not about um birthing children it's about reproducing disciples and so imagine if we step back and as we develop our goals of parenting we recognize it's really a discipleship goal Mm -hmm that I am discipling my children. I do that through the form of parenting, but ultimately the goal is discipleship so that they then will multiply through discipleship Mm -hmm. in their lives with friends, but also with their own family as they grow up and and have their own lives. Absolutely. And so I think that that's really good. It outlines the process and even the means by which we kind of gauge whether or not we're doing well as a parent. Are our kids walking in discipleship? Ultimately, I think towards that goal, even just to break it down further, I think discipleship is that process of making us look like Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's how we can gauge whether or not we're doing well in right. parenting, right? I mean, I think that's really that's really breaking it down to like the foundational things, but so what what would you say as you would look at in the season of life we're in and in the post pandemic world where you had all of that time together for a really long time and now it's slackened up now you're not necessarily together with your kids or you're seeing it in the community or in other schools what what are some of those areas of just specific growth that you see like what are some of the lacks that you see I would say that when parents don't know what to do you see them do nothing. And so oftentimes the question of, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know why they're behaving that way. I don't know how to address it. So they don't. And that doesn't serve anyone well. It's a little bit astonishing in the the generational difference. Um, 
you know, I, I'm a Gen Xer. I grew up with the Dewey Decimal System. I grew up with a library. <laughs> go, girl! <laughs> and so if you needed information, you had to go look for it. You mm-hmm. had to research it. That's right. So it's a little baffling on this end of parenting because I'm not parenting littles that all this information is at the fingertips of parents in their phone and don't look it up. I, I, I think that has become a place of, so how do we find the answers? Do they want answers? Do, do parents want to know? Mm-hmm. Or have we adopted in our culture ignorance is bliss, right? I would challenge that in parenting. I don't think ignorance will ever produce bliss in parenting. Oh, yeah. Not it, it might temporarily in the moment, but it, it does long-term damage, I think, to our kids. And so the, the lack of children being in the classroom, which is structured, which has authority as the teacher, we... Not having that regularly can recognize now kids and their behavior in public has greatly shifted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we see how the classroom setting really developed behaviors. Yeah. So without the classroom, parents haven't developed behavior. And how do we now recognize, okay, if I don't depend on school for behavior tips right yeah (laughs) and a teacher would tell you a regular statement would be i understand you might do that at home but we don't do that in the classroom Mm -hmm. ask your teacher friends Mm -hmm. of grade school teachers how often they make a comment (laughs) like that and that would tell us the the vast differences between expected behavior in a classroom and expected behavior at home Mm. um there's also great statistics about how families don't sit down and have meals together. Yeah. And that that blows my mind too, right? As a believer, as a Christian, that is a Christian principle to fellowship, to communion, right? And so I remember putting my, when it was just Elijah and, and me at home, Mark worked a lot of hours when, when he was a baby. I would sit down and have meal with right. Elijah. Mm-hmm. It, it would be, you know, Elijah in his high chair and and I'd be across the table. But when it was the three of us, we sat down and had a meal together. And so you fellowshiped in that way, but it also brought about behavior, right? Elijah, right. we aren't going to put our feet on the right. table. Yeah. Right? We don't, um, you know, and for our home, it became Cooper's do. Cooper's don't do this. Mm-hmm. And and that's how we develop some of the behavior that we wanted to address at the table because I don't want my kids to go into someone else's home and put their feet on the table. I don't want my kids to go to someone else's home and and carry food around the house, right? Jump like, on their couch. Right, and so we do. We have these things that aren't just because I don't want that in my home. I'm thinking about, right? right? The commission, yeah. go yes. and make disciples. Right. Well, when you go and make disciples, you're gonna be in other people's homes. Mm-hmm. And I wanna make sure that my children are behaving appropriately mm-hmm. in other people's homes, right? And having that expectation. It doesn't hurt them to learn to sit at the table. Right. It doesn't hurt them to learn that cups stay at the table. It doesn't hurt them. Mm. And so it's a part of us fulfilling the Great Commission as we multiply disciples. 
That's really good. It, I think all of that really points to this place of becoming less me-centric. I think that a lot of parents raise in a me-centric kind of way where teachers are having to remind them, no, 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 we think about other people outside of the house. Or, or even in the research aspect that you were talking about earlier, I think that a big issue or a big big reason that a lot of people in like my generation or the generations underneath don't look up that research is because there's almost an oversaturation where there's so many different voices and so many different opinions. It's kind of fueled this thought process that, you know, if all these other people can have opinions, mm-hmm. I can have mine and I can run with mine. Mm-hmm. And that is so like Christ, right? To get outside of the me-centric personality or the, the me-centric worldview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. There is a a reality of our culture today that you could find support for your thought and your theory, your choice. You can back it up in so many different ways. Um, I would agree that is so concerning, right? We could talk about that in a whole different podcast. <laughs> but today, I would say to parents, find a trusted resource and Mm -hmm. read them i don't know that there's a dr dobson book that i've not read right and especially when i was parenting whether it was a strong-willed child whether you know even the books bringing up boys bringing Mm -hmm. up girls girls, Mm -hmm. um they're fantastic resources but the reality is i had researched the author i'd become familiar with focus on the family and developed a place of relationship because what tends to happen is this the moment I hear something I don't like, I'll just find a different resource. Right. This is my That thought. is the most harmful thing that we could do. Now, it doesn't mean that you read Dr. Dobson as you read God's Word. Right. God's Word is truth. It is, it is the measuring stick by which we operate. And so we should take books that we're reading and make sure they're biblical, right? I want to take what I'm reading in Dr. Dobson and I want to... to lay it out against God's Word to make sure that it lines up appropriately. But that's not the tendency. The tendency is I'm just going to find what I want to hear, Mm -hmm. right? And the Bible even talks about that. In the end days, people are going to go where their ears can be tickled. And so that can be such a hurdle in this generation because there's so much information, there's so much resource. But I would say go to families that you would say, wow, I, I want to model that. Find out what were their resources. What did they use? Who did they go to? And then I would say stick to it. Don't back out the moment it gets hard. Mm-hmm. Don't back out when you realize, oh, man, I've done this for so long and I didn't even realize it. Stick with it. Stick through that journey for the sake of your kids. You know, there's a lot of things that I probably wouldn't have been willing to walk through fight through, um, be delivered of outside if I was going to do it for my kids. Yeah. I, I don't know that I would have done it for myself, but I'll surely do it for them. And so fighting for health was worth the fight for my kids to be healthier. Mm-hmm. And statistics show most kids are wanting and willing and most parents, I'm sorry, want to do better for their children. Right. Mm-hmm. And so how do we do that? Well, we do that by being healthy ourselves, by making sure I'm not parenting from an experience, I'm parenting for my children. And that is so important for today because our children are living in a world that we don't know. We didn't grow up in this world. Mm -hmm. We didn't grow up with the technology, with everything at their fingertips. So we need to be 
um, healthy, we need to be aware, and we need to be intentional about parenting today. So Lynn, one of the things that I've noticed um, is that there is a, a lack in children when it comes to authority and respecting authority figures such as parents or teachers, pastors, you know, elders in the church. Um, do you notice, have you noticed that as well? And, and if so, what would you say to parents who notice that in their children too? And how can they begin to correct that in them and teach them proper authority to other people? I mean, I first would give a disclaimer to say, I'm no pro on parenting. My kids aren't perfect. I'm not trying to, <laughs> to say, hey, do everything I've done. Um, and so in answering that, I, I would say absolutely have we seen an authority issue in children. I believe that that issue has been first and foremost in parents. Mm -hmm. Generally, that's an issue that they are just rehearsing, reacting to, or even um, mimicking, right? Right. And so there's been so, <laughs> there's been, um, I'll, I'll just use our school as an example, right? I think a lot of teachers maybe would say, boy, we can handle the kids. It's the parents mm -hmm. that we've struggled with. Well, the kids are just mimicking that it's reinforced, if you will, at home mm -hmm. to not listen to authority. What's interesting about this is that that usually isn't a model that works at the workplace. Right. So we're allowing it to be reinforced in a negative way at school by parents. Um, but we also recognize that wouldn't work with my employer mm -hmm. if I'm not a self-employed person. So why parents would allow it, uh, grow it, right. let it live? Because I think school has been an outlet where parents who are frustrated because of what they've had to do at work can let it go without much consequence, really. That's good. Yeah. But it ultimately damages their children. Right. And that's a good point because... You know, there's been times when my girls have said, oh, I have an issue with this teacher or, you know, whatever situation. And and we would talk about, OK, well, school is your job right now. And so if you talk to your teacher this way or you don't apologize, when, if you were in the workforce, would that happen? No, you would probably lose your job, you know. And so in teaching our kids, you know, obviously we want to teach them first the ultimate authority of the Lord. First and foremost, what it looks like, you know, to honor the authority of the Lord. But I would totally agree that a lot of kids are seeing and hearing things at home that they shouldn't be seeing and hearing. And then they're taking that out <laughs> to school, probably the most common place, you know. And so I do know that that there's a frustration in, mm -hmm. with teachers. Again, you wouldn't, you know, we don't allow that to happen here. It may happen right. in your home, but not here. And um, that's just a hard place I think we're at right now in society is kids accepting that authority. Right. And it's sad because I think that we will ultimately lose some of our best teachers. Yeah. And and teachers that have a passion to teach kids, teachers that find joy in teaching a child a new concept, a new way of thinking even and to watch them use it and apply it and implement that 
theory, that idea is so rewarding for teachers. Mm -hmm. And yet statistics are saying teachers are over and over communicating, I love my job, but is it worth dealing with the parents? And so parents, we have to recognize our part in the public school system in how we will support. I don't agree with every decision, but I support my teachers and I support our principals and our leadership because the Bible says so, right? The Bible talks clearly about authority. And as parents, we're teaching our kids not only how to address authority, but to walk with the ultimate authority, which Mm -hmm. is God, which is his word. And I don't get to pick and choose when and how I behave, right? If I believe God's word is the ultimate authority in my life, then I'm going to submit to it in every way, even when I don't like it, Mm -hmm. even when I don't want to agree with it. I'm teaching my children how to be in relationship with God the Father. I would never, as a toddler, look at God in the face and, you know, say, no, right? I won't do that. But parents all the time will let kids look at them and scream no. Mm -hmm. And the reality is I want to correct that, not because you've offended me deeply by telling me no. (laughs) I want to correct that because that's not an appropriate way to address any authority, much less God the Father, which is ultimately the discipleship of teaching our kids how to be in relationship with the Lord. And so it starts in those early moments. Kids learn more than they will ever learn in a lifetime before kindergarten, right? We have 940 weeks with our kids before they go on to college. Before they go to kindergarten, we have approximately 260 weeks with them. That is the opportunity where their brains can absorb the most information for us to train them not only in education and ABCs, but spiritual formation Mm -hmm. in how to walk in relationship, authority, and goodness with the Lord for the rest of their lives. Right. And so instead of looking at it as, I can't do a lot of things right now, what if we saw it as an opportunity to teach our children how to be in relationship with the Lord, how to be disciplined men and women of God that are going to be light bearers in our schools, in our community, wherever they go. Mm. Yeah, you and Mark had given Tay and I some of the best parenting advice we've ever received, and that was, we're not raising kids to be kids. We're not raising kids where they're at. And please correct me, because I'm not saying this nearly as eloquently as you have, but we're not raising kids to be kids. We're raising them to be adults. Mm-hmm. And that, that can't happen from a reactionary place, which I think is one of the most significant issues we see in parenting, mm-hmm. where parents kind of respond to what their kid is doing or they're responding to situations as opposed to being proactive in it. And that was the biggest turnaround that we had in our parenting was we shouldn't just address um, t- uh, temper tantrums or we shouldn't just address mm-hmm. these defiant moments as they come. Right. It's the proactive, we need to get ahead of them. Right. Our beliefs aren't always caught in our action, but they're always caught in our reaction. Mm-hmm. Right. That's and so idea. there are times that in our parenting, yep. <laughs> we react. Mm-hmm. And either we like that reaction because it may be caused us to pause right or we completely just engage in that reaction but the reality is your belief will be found in that Mm -hmm. and so let's rather than our children um, paying the consequence for that let's pay attention to our our beliefs through our reactions and ask the lord what am i missing here Mm -hmm. and and that 
comes about when we have a clear plan and a measuring stick. So one of the things that we want for our children is, of course, faith-filled, Christ-like mm-hmm. lives. We want them to be pillars in their churches that are committed to growing themselves in the Lord, but growing others in the Lord. Mm-hmm. We want them to be people of the community that serve the community, mm-hmm. that the community would look to for answers. And and so in order for them to be people in the community that have jobs, participate, and aren't a nuisance to the community, right, that we would instill some of the those not only biblical but behavioral things today that will serve our children um, well today in the future, but also for generations. And when you look at it that way, it's so much easier to put up with, uh, no, I don't want to do it, and, and being able to discipline that and continue to stay on that. You can deal with uh, the almost the cost of discipline that you're going to run into for the first cycle through of doing it where your kids really try to see how far they can push that wall and and they'll defy Mm -hmm. whenever you discipline i think that having that long view and being able to have perspective in it makes that so much easier Mm -hmm. and i think when you walk in training your children it really sets you up to be a yes parent Mm -hmm. and i wish that young parents could grab a hold of that when you don't train your child you set yourself up to be a no parent once they're children and, and your response ends up being nothing but no. But when you train your children, they know what your response will be mm. because they're deciding to walk in a consequence or a blessing. Mm-hmm. You've already set up the standard to the place that you're not constantly finding a new expectation. They already know what's expected. Um, when my kids want to do something kind of fun and crazy, you know, like, I wonder if we could get away with this, you know, they always go to dad, right? He's the fun, spontaneous, <laughs> like, and yet if my kids are in trouble, though, I'm the disciplinarian of the family. Naturally, my kids always go to me when they're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they know what to expect. Mm. They know what my response will be before I have it. Mm -hmm. And so that training has set me up to be the yes parent as well. Hey mom, can I have so-and-so stay the night? You tell me, have you met your responsibilities? Mm -hmm. What are your grades like? What's your room like? You give me the answer, Mm -hmm. right? And so we've learned to operate because I want my kids to understand you have responsibility as a believer, you have responsibility as an adult, we don't raise children to be unresponsible right. or irresponsible. We raise them to be responsible believers. Mm-hmm. And so they can answer some of those things now. And I think there's such security that comes from expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 again, I know a lot of parents that look at those expectations as like, oh, no, I'm setting my kid up to fail if, if they don't meet them. But I think that kids take security and they feel good when they know the boundaries and parameters from which they operate. Absolutely. They want to know they're safe. They want to know that they can learn new things, have new experiences, and it's not harmful. Uh, Kids are curious by nature, I think. Even when they are safety motivated, kids want to have some adventure, especially your boys. They like that adventurous ability to explore, to learn things in a creative way. A practical, tangible way. And so you see a lot of um, mis 
reading even of behavior when you look at that adventure spirit, right? And yet you want to cultivate the right things, right? I don't want to remove that adventure. I don't want to remove the curiosity. Mm-hmm. But I do recognize that there can be discipline and adventure. Right. There can be discipline and training that comes along with being, you know, curious and and just because I heard it doesn't make it truth. Mm-hmm. The only truth is God's word. Right. Right? So I take everything that I've learned even from school um, from friends, wherever the source is, and I measure it with God's word. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of the the training. I We have not raised our kids to shield them from this world. Mm-hmm. I don't that's right. I don't believe that is a biblical. I believe that's a fear right. that motivates parents to shelter my kids. I don't want them to have the hurt I had. And I want my kids to experience what I went through. And so we guard them, we shield them. I'd rather walk through those experiences while my children are still at home. I would rather heal from them so that I can properly raise my children to be effective in this world, Mm -hmm. which is the mission. This isn't our home, right? Mm -hmm. This is a temporary place, and we are all headed to our forever home. And so I want my kids to remember that as well. And and there's a lot of preparation for that. That is Mm (laughs) anti-cultural to today. Mm Mm-hmm. What are some ways that, as, as people might be listening to this, and, and even if, if they're great parents, if they're parents that said, we need help, what are some ways that they can begin to take inventory of where they're at? Um, how can they begin to take stock of what they need to grow in or even in celebrating the things they're doing well? That's a good question. I think different phases of life have different um, responses. I would say at that beginning, young parent, um, preschool age, I think you're really looking and ultimately you have a few goals. One is to build the moral warehouse inside. Everything in life cannot be motivated because there's an external consequence, right? Mm-hmm. We want to create that moral warehouse that Growing Kids God's Way talks about where kids are able to internally, because of relationship with the Lord, make good decisions, mm-hmm. have behavior that's appropriate to that heart. The other part of of that is you want first time obedience. Yep. Right? I don't want my children to have to be told over and over and over. We see in God's word what happens when there's a lack of obedience. Mm-hmm. And God's word talks about um, the result of being undisciplined. And so it's so important that we are helping our kids walk in first time obedience. Mm-hmm. That's what God asks of us. And so parents, we must first operate in first time obedience, right? And then be consistent in holding our kids to first time obedience. Warnings and threats will not produce obedience. They'll produce what can I get away with and how long can I get away with this? Exactly. (laughs) And so, you know, there comes a point where, okay, here's the expectation. Now we're going to walk in first time obedience because they understand it. And different children will have different um, responses to that. I had a child that challenged that at every opportunity. And there were literal days where I did nothing but hold this child in time out because first time obedience was not something they were contending to do. They would not do it. Well, 
Yes, you will. <laughs> and they did, <laughs> right? Stronger. <laughs> and so, yet it took the sacrifice of giving up my days to deal with that. But my child was more important than what I could have accomplished in those two days. And so I wanted to commit the time to to navigate that. I think as kids get into that elementary, you know, grade school age, you're really at a place where you have such an opportunity to spiritually mold Mm. and train your kids because they're still concrete thinkers, right? And so in that concrete thinking, you're able to share truth in a way that they will hold on to as absolute. We lose some of that as adults. Mm -hmm. I remember um, my youngest coming home one day, and we had been talking about how God had given friends to the paralytic man in the Bible and how they took him on top of the roof and Jesus healed him. And she came home and said, Mom, there was a boy today at school. And I guess the little boy couldn't, um, he couldn't walk. I don't know the details. And he got out of his chair to play on the playground. And Magnolia said, said, We'll edit it out. Okay. (laughs) She just communicated Mom, I went to that little boy and told him, I know a Jesus that heals, and he will heal you. And I think that is concrete thinking. Mm -hmm. Her Savior heals. And so for her, that's as much truth as one plus one equals two, Mm -hmm. right? And so we have such an opportunity to build their faith in a great way at that age. And so the goal during that time is building scripture, building seeds of truth in their heart, right? Because the scripture says it won't return void, right? right? Train them up. They won't depart Mm -hmm. from it. Even when they challenge it in their teenage years, they won't depart from it. And so there's so much opportunity in that place. They're curious. They're going to ask so many questions. And so parents be okay with saying, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I'll find out and look it up. But there's so much opportunity to invest God's word into their heart. In that middle school and teenage years in that time, it's it's really even into adulthood, so much about the difficulty we will face as parents is letting our kids um, walk through the consequences mm-hmm. of their choices. Yep. And so I would say parents, quit rescuing your That's kids. Right. Do not enable them to be second, third, fourth time obeyers. Mm-hmm. Help them be first time obeyers by letting them live with the consequences. Mm-hmm. If you've already ran out that missing assignment two times this month, don't do it again. Yep. Let your child deal with the consequence. How small is that consequence? We had a conversation about this. Mark is, um, leans far more compassionate, has more mercy. And we had a bike stolen right outside of our garage and we knew it was a neighborhood kid and mark said i don't want to do you know he he wanted to be gracious Mm. and my thought was but wait a minute what if he does something worse and ends up in jail as a young adult this could be the moment Mm -hmm. that they decide to stop this life this style, this behavior doesn't work for me. And so we have to remember God is always working 
His Spirit is always wanting to accomplish something in us, in our children, and teach those lessons continually. Do we stand in the way of them? Mm -hmm. Do we hinder the lesson because we want to rescue? Do we hinder it because we, well, I'd hate to call the police. He's an eight-year-old kid. Well, maybe at eight is when he decides I won't steal anymore. Yeah. Right? Much better than at 18 when there's real life-altering consequences. And so allow your kids to deal with those consequences. Then let them experience them and walk with them. Because Jesus doesn't rescue us from the bad times. Mm -hmm. He walks through them with us. And so parents can walk with their kids through the difficult times, through the hard times. We say to our kids regularly, you will wake up and find yourself in a mess you never thought you would be in. That's when you need us the most. Mm -hmm. We should be your first call, Mm -hmm. right? Because I want them to know no matter what you do, what you face, what you walk through, God is always there. You don't have to beg and plead for him to come and and be with you. He's always there. He should be the first call. Mm And we example that by not reacting when our kids have to tell us something mm-hmm. that they did, but responding in grace and love. And so we do that as they've gotten older. When they tell the truth, the the consequence will always be less mm-hmm. than when they try and cover it up. Mm-hmm. And so we always reward truthfulness, especially when it's hard. Mm. Mostly when it's hard, mm-hmm. yeah. we want to reward that. That's good. We didn't send you this question, so I'm going to, you know, you're going to be on your toes a little bit. As you reflect back at, at your parenting journey, what's been your biggest, like, aha moment? Like, and that's, that's some time to think about <laughs> um, where it just clicked. Like, what's what's your biggest moment where you've been like, man, it just makes sense now. I get it. Hmm. There were a few things that I I think were nothing short of God's grace. Because it it isn't anything that we just knew we should do, right? It it was simply God's grace. But one of them um, that we implemented pretty early on with our kids, once they could have friends come over and play, is that you always include your sibling. Mm -hmm. And if your sibling wants to participate, they come first. Mm -hmm. And the whole process in that was, if you can't be a good sibling, you can't be a good friend. And I wanted my kids to learn that friends will come and go, but your sibling, your family will always stay. Now, even recognize that in our spiritual family. I think the same context works, right? We prioritize our family, whether it's biological, whether it's spiritual, we prioritize our family. And we always make room for others, but we do have a priority that we're responsible with. And I believe it helped my kids not fight, right? Like they're friends, like they enjoy, you know, I have a junior in high school and a freshman in college today. They share friends, they have mutual friends. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is because from a very young age, we nurtured that. I also recognize that when kids naturally don't want to share, I don't think that's just innately their wiring. And so we would always pause and I'd say, hey, you're not wanting to share. Let's close our eyes. I want you just to ask the Lord, would you search my heart and show me what offense has has settled 
and I don't want to share with my sibling. And to me, that's become a pattern that has allowed our kids over and over to walk in healthy forgiveness and to walk in not holding on to grudges and walking in healthy relationship. And so that started, though, before they were ever in grade school, (laughs) right? So it's paying attention. And I think we can often look at our littles and think, well, I've got to wait until then to talk about Jesus is safe. No, when they can't find their toy, pause and pray and ask Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Deuteronomy says, talk about these things as you come and as you go. Remember them as you're walking and going here and coming home from there. Talk about God's word all the time. And I think it's taking all the moments and inviting Jesus into them. So we would stop and pray and say, Jesus, would you help so-and-so find this? Mm -hmm. And certainly, right, you're building faith in your kids at the youngest age. And I would say that's when it's most important, not waiting until they're able to have abstract understanding Mm -hmm. to recognize why Jesus said, I'll make you a fisher of men, right? Like, Mm You're, you're a teenager by the time you can truly right. understand that. But there's so much faith to be built up until our kids are teenagers. And so taking that opportunity, I think, is huge because it sets them up to walk in faith and Christ-like character at two, yep. much less when they're 20, right? right? Yep. And I guess one, just one final question. It's a big one. As you look at... As parents look at this, what are some things that they can begin to do to be better parents? Yeah, so think about the parents that are listening to this today, and some of them are probably frustrated right now because they're (laughs) seeing their children walk in attitudes and and reflections of things that they don't necessarily want them to be walking in. So what are some tips or training tools? And you've talked about a lot of them already, Mm -hmm. but what would just be a couple of things that you would just say today to those parents? Okay. I think the first thing that comes to mind would be if you don't enjoy being with your children, you should first see that as a reflection of your parenting, not your child. Mm -hmm. And allow that reflection to bring about a few questions to the Lord. The first being, Lord, do I have unhealed places from my childhood that I need to invite you into to remove the pain, to remove the wound, so that I can walk in a healthy manner from this point on as a parent i think the other would be lord am i not understanding your plan and purpose Mm -hmm. as the authority for my children and would you show me right do i have an issue with discipline do i have an issue with training do i have an issue with walking in the authority that you've given me and let the lord speak to it i think oftentimes when we aren't enjoying our home it's it's because we have not given the proper expectation and goal and understanding of what we want our home to be and i think that's so true with children um we need to be able to enjoy our children why because god delights in us Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if we aren't delighting in our children we can't look at that and say there's something wrong with my child. Children are a product of their environment. Mm-hmm. If you're not enjoying your children, and and I'm not saying that kids aren't going to misbehave. I'm not saying <laughs> you're but, not going to have frustrated days. But no child should disrupt the home. Right. That 
isn't okay, mm. right? And so we have to mold our children into understanding that there is expectation of the home. There's expectation as a believer in our walk with the Lord. And so I would say a good litmus test is, do you enjoy being with your children? Do you enjoy them? Do you delight in them? And if you find yourself after just a few minutes frustrated, then I would say that's more of a parenting Mm -hmm. place. And so resolve that with the Lord. I think also another part of that would be to raise your children so that other people can love them as well. Mm -hmm. You will always love your children. There's nothing my kids could do that would cause me to not love them. But I want others to love my children because other people have amazing things to share with and deposit in my kids' lives. And so I want to raise them so that they're easy to love by others. Mm -hmm. I think we miss that sometimes, but I think it connects so clearly with love your neighbor. Is that not a commandment that we see over and over in the Gospels? Love your neighbor as you love yourself then I should love my children to the place so that other people can love them mm-hmm. too. And that's my responsibility, not theirs. It's not an issue of their love. It's an issue of my parenting. Mm-hmm. And so we need to recognize, let me check my parenting first before I start accusing and blaming all these other things. Let me start with my parenting. And so in recognizing how I want to raise and developing a parenting plan, I would say you have such a short amount of time, 940 weeks. (laughs) That is not a long time. Mm -hmm. And so engage every opportunity to build their faith, engage every opportunity to mold them. And, and part of being a yes parent means I want my kids at my house as much as possible. So even when I don't feel like it on a Friday night, I want them to have their friends over and I'll make those chocolate chip cookies because I want the opportunity to invest in my kids and their friends. I want their friends to know where they can turn Mm -hmm. when they need help. And so if that means Friday nights with chocolate chip cookies and pop and, and all that good stuff, then I'm going to do it. And I think last for those with older children, uh, Kyle Jungers um, gave me two great pieces of advice Um, really the visit before she went to be with the Lord. And the first was just celebrate well. Celebrate all the big things and the little things. And the other is your older kids want to talk at night. And so she said, get in the habit of staying up late because it's mostly the time frame that kids want to talk and be available to listen. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I implemented, and I'm not a night owl, but I would absolutely agree that kids want to talk at night. They rarely want to talk in the morning. Mm -hmm. They don't want to talk when they get home from school. But man, after 11 o'clock, they want to talk, and they'll just open up and spill it. And so is the end of your bed open for a conversation at 1130 at night? And I would just encourage you to open that that door for your kids Mm -hmm. because you'll be amazed at what they're ready to spill after they've processed all day long Mm -hmm. and even what they're willing to invite you into late at night that's good well then we really want to thank you for being here today and for sharing your insight and your your good training tools with us and thank you so much for spending your time and just 
and just helping us to to look and see what parenting looks like and what it can look like and that we can continue to keep going even if we mess up you know the lord allows us to be forgiven and and move on and as parents we can do the same thing and so thank you so much for being here oh you're welcome and i love that you said that because god's grace is sufficient his spirit covers our mistakes and parents need to know that don't walk in shame or guilt of what you haven't done walk in freedom of what the lord will continue to do and so we don't have to worry about the past because his spirit is good his spirit is big enough to cover our deficiencies, right? Amen. And so um, I would encourage parents with just resources. And so hopefully we can post them mm-hmm. with this podcast. But Growing Kids God's Way is amazing. I've yet to find a parent curriculum <laughs> that, agree. That, <laughs> that equates to it. It's old, but it is good because mm-hmm. it's biblical. God's word is old, yeah, but it's good and it it's is. relevant for today. Mm-hmm. And so Dr. Dobson was always a favorite mm-hmm. of ours Mine too. and mm-hmm. kingdom kids. Like there's so much great um, resource out there. And so I would just encourage parents, you know, Orange Curriculum has Parent Q mm-hmm. and it is fantastic. Know the stages of development that your kids are in. Be attentive to them and intentional to speak to them. Right. And, you know, my husband worked a lot when my older two were little. I would read and then communicate to him. And he's like, yes, let's do it, right? (laughs) He didn't have the time. right? You know, you work 80 hours a week. You don't have the time to read all the books. But I would read them and we would talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so moms, dads, if you have the ability to read, read for your spouse and then talk about it. Don't have an expectation that is really the hurdle of moving forward. And so do that today. And there's so many good books um, you know, raising spiritual warriors, there's parenting in the pew, you know, a lot of these issues we've seen just in church, sitting in church, we've lost the ability yeah. to sit in the pew, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but parenting from the pew. And so there's a lot of great opportunities and we'll have those resources posted for you. Awesome. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you for joining us on the Real Life Podcast. If you enjoyed listening, please remember to subscribe to stay up to date on every new episode and announcement. If you have any questions, comments, or you want to suggest a new topic for future shows, please email us at reallife at visitlife.org.